Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Bold Movement Podcast. I am your host, Megan Rawlings. The Bold Movement, for those who are not familiar, is a ministry designed for women looking to enhance their knowledge of church history, theology, apologetics, and scripture. Now, before we begin, feel free to check us out on our website, www.theboldmovement.com. Without further delay, let's dive on in. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first ever episode of the Bold Movement podcast. We are so excited that you're here. Today starts our journey through the Gospel of Mark. And before we begin, it is so important to get a little bit of information about the Gospel itself prior to opening it up and studying. So on the Bold Movement podcast, whenever we study a book of the Bible together, we're going to begin with a few questions. I absolutely love the women's minister of the Village Church. Her name is Jen Wilkin, and she wrote a couple books, and one of them that I absolutely adore and I highly recommend is Women of the Word. And throughout that, it kind of teaches women how to read the Bible, the importance of reading the Bible, and I cannot tell you how excellent it was and how much she has really just excited me and given me a passion to pursue women's ministry. And in her book, she says, exegesis asks us to be archaeologists as far as we are able and to call in the help of more able archaeologists where we need it. It gives us the perspective we need to properly interpret scripture. It does this by asking five basic archaeological questions of any given text. Who wrote it? When was it written? To whom was it written? In what style was it written? And why was it written? So let's go ahead and answer those questions about the Gospel of Mark before we dive on in. Question number one, who wrote it? So as I did a little bit of research about this, I actually learned that we have widespread affirmation from the early church fathers that the author of this gospel is a man named John Mark. Frequently throughout scripture, he's mentioned as just Mark, but other times he's he is John Mark. He is first seen in Acts chapter 12, and I'm going to go ahead and read it to you in case you don't have a Bible handy. So Acts chapter 12, verses 11 and 12 say, When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, and here's where we find John Mark, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Okay, so Mark is raised in this household where his mother was a believer, so he's obviously a believer because we learn later on in Scripture that he goes with Paul and Barnabas to their missionary journey, and and their house is open for corporate worship and prayer, and I just think that's so exciting. So, um, like I said, we later see Mark as a companion of Barnabas, which, fun fact, by the way, is his cousin. I know, mind blown. Or if you read the Bible all the time, that's just common knowledge, I suppose. (laughs) And he's with Paul as well. It was on their first missionary journey, though, that Mark abandoned Paul and Barnabas. 
We don't know exactly why Mark left, but we do know um, kind of what happened and what led up to that. So I'm going to go ahead and read that to you too as well. So let's go ahead and turn our Bibles, if you have them, to Acts chapter 13. If not, just listen in and we'll go ahead and go from there. So starting in verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, and I sure hope I'm pronouncing that right. If not, I, I apologize to all of my professors. They proclaimed the word of God when the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, midst and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teachings of the Lord. Okay, all of this is going on. There's a lot of demonic influence if you read throughout Acts um, in this particular missionary journey. And I think if you, if you really look at it, these boys have been out here. They've been on this missionary journey. They're really going at it. They're preaching the word of God. And in this certain passage, we learned that there was only one true conversion. And then we learned that Mark left. So I am not one to make assumptions um, most of the time. Don't ask my husband. He might disagree. But I do think that this one is pointing to the sign of Mark having just a little bit of burnout. And I think a lot of times, I I work at a university, and I see this in a lot of students. They're on fire for God. They have fire in their bellies. They're so excited to do ministry. And they just want everything to happen right now. And when it doesn't, there's just this huge burnout, this walk away. I I can't do it anymore. I have to switch majors. And I think this is what happened with John Mark. This is not a sign of the spirit leaving. This doesn't mean that he's a terrible person. It just means that maybe he had a little bit of maturing to do um, after that. And we actually see the maturity coming because um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. Let me slow. Let me slow down. Um, So Mark leaves and this puts a little bit of distinction between Paul and Mark and then later on between Paul and Barnabas. We read in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 and 40. Again, I'll go ahead and read it for you. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, which was his cousin. Remember this, okay? But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Patphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. 
Paul saw Mark as a risk to his ministry. You know, you left us once. Who's not to say you're not going to do it again, right? And at this time, Paul was not very patient with those who lacked any sort of endurance. The work Paul was doing was very hard. It was very demanding. And he did not have any tolerance for those who were not dedicated to his ministry or committed to the declaration of the gospel, whether that meant one person was saved or an entire town. Still, like I said before, we see that John Mark later on does mature. We don't see the process of that happening, but we know that it happened because later on we find that they um, made up, Paul and Mark did. Because at the end of Paul's life, he makes a request to Timothy to go get Mark and bring him with him um, because, and I quote, his he was helpful to him in his ministry, end quote. So I guess what I'm trying to say about John Mark is he was just like the rest of us, a little immature, and then he grew up, right? So, I do have another fun fact for you. Um, According to gotquestions.org, which is a helpful and very useful tool when you have questions about the Bible, when you're studying, when something hard comes up, um, it really helped me explain to you all who John Mark was, but they they said something and I thought it was really interesting. Um, And again, this is just an assumption. There's nothing set in scripture about it, but some scholars do think this, so I thought I would share it with you all. In Mark chapter 14, verses 51 and 52, a young man was roused from sleep on the night that Jesus was arrested and attempts to follow the Lord, and the mob who had Jesus in custody attempted to seize him. The young man escapes and flees into the night. The fact that the incident is only recorded in Mark's gospel and the fact that the young man is anonymous has led some scholars to surmise that the fleeing young man is actually John Mark. Isn't that interesting? Okay, hopefully I gave you guys a little bit of background of who John Mark is, who the author of this gospel is, and kind of where he's coming from. Um, Now we're going to go ahead on and move to the second question. Um, When was it written? This is a lot of fun. Many scholars uh, think that the Gospel of Mark was written in the mid to late 50s AD, and their argument is that it was written between this time based on the idea that the book ends with Paul in prison. Now, some scholars argue that the gospel was actually written in the 60s AD, and their foundation for this argument is based on the idea that Luke used the book of Mark, or the gospel of Mark rather, to write Luke and Acts. And in order for that to have happened, it would have needed to be a little bit later because Acts talks a lot about um, Rome and the conversion that goes on there. Now, with that being said, I don't know. I am not a biblical scholar. I, I am working on a master's degree, but I cannot tell you when it was written. But I do know that it was a long time ago, and it was close enough to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that we know for sure that Mark was definitely alive during that time and around people who would have spent time with Jesus, which leads me to another fun fact. This is actually a book uh, basically written based on the testimony of Peter. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But right now, let's go ahead and move on to the question number three. To whom was it written? 
the Gospel of Mark was written for a Gentile audience. Mark wrote this when he was in Rome, and it is obvious that, that there is a lot of Roman influence in this writing. He writes at a very fast-paced kind of narrative, and it focuses more on what Jesus did rather than what Jesus said. And there's a lot, a lot of heavy Roman influence. As we go throughout and kind of exegete this book, I'll make sure to point some of that out so that you guys know where I'm coming from with this, okay? Question number four, in what style was it written? According to Hans Beyer, a fabulous scholar, in case you guys um, are looking for one to get a commentary or something, he says, of the four Gospels, Mark is mostly overtly a docudrama consisting of noteworthy clips as well as typical or representative events, snatches of speeches or dialogues, and commentary by the narrator. This kind of confirms what I was saying with the Roman audience. Whenever you think of Rome at this time, I want you guys to think of almost like a New York City kind of atmosphere. It's very fast-paced. It's very no-nonsense. Let's get to the point. Tell me why you're saying what you're saying. And you'll see that throughout the book of Mark, especially especially in comparison to the other three Gospels. The final question we must answer before we begin our study of the Gospel of Mark is, why was it written? Okay, guys, this is so exciting. (laughs) This is probably my favorite question about this book because I think the answer is just really exciting and it just shows Mark's heart for the Gentiles, okay? Mark was written from the testimony of Peter, right? And we mentioned that a little bit ago, but Mark is writing to an audience of Gentiles who are obviously unaccustomed to Jewish rituals and culture. He wrote this gospel so that they would understand the weight and purpose of Jesus coming to the earth, dying in our place, and resurrecting, conquering sin and death once and for all. So essentially, Mark is writing this gospel because he wants the Gentiles to understand all of the stuff that the Jews got. So for instance, we we see in John, and I'm sure Mark knew this, but this is a different gospel. We see that Jesus says, all scripture points to me. Okay. Scripture at that time was simply the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament written out at that time. So he is saying, Jesus is saying, everything in the Old Testament is pointing to me. And Mark wants to make sure that the Gentiles are picking up on what that is, the prophecies that happen, and how to prove that God really is the Messiah and God to these Gentiles so that they can be on the same page, so that they can convert, and so that they can continue on in a life of full of grace, humility, and excitement about who Jesus is and what he did for us. Guys, that's all I got for you today. I was so excited to go ahead and introduce the Gospel of Mark. It concludes our podcast for the day. Go ahead and tune in next week as we begin the study of what Mark has to say. Ladies, don't forget, go out and be bold.